Big Fluff. And now, your host, miniature dog enthusiast, Joel Murphy. Hello again. I'm Joel Murphy. This is Hobo Radio. And I'm recording this today because I uh, saw that we lost Lance Reddick. And I wanted to put something together just to, to honor him. I, uh, I first interviewed Lance in uh, 2005, uh, right at the start of Hobo Trash Can. Um, I had, the very first interview I ever did was with Michael K. Williams, and that was in August. And my interview with Lance went up in October of 2005, and obviously connected uh, because of uh, having talked to Michael K. Williams, I then reached out to uh him and that that time is is such an interesting time because i'm i was in my early 20s and i was very much uh you know i i had launched this site but it was a fledgling site and i was didn't really quite know what i was doing and i was very fortunate in the fact that uh i was from maryland and i was interested in the wire at a time when it hadn't gotten the mainstream success that it has now and it hadn't gotten the critical success and it was still airing and still really struggling to find its audience and to to get press and so i was able to talk to lance reddick at a time when he hadn't done a lot of long form interviews and he was very generous with his time and he you know, opened up to me about his life. I, I always remember him talking about, and he, he did something at the time that I didn't, <laughs> that I now looking back realize how incredibly rare it is, which is that when the interview went up, he, he reached out to me to, to tell me that he liked the interview and that he appreciated it. And in fact, he liked it so much that he he pulled the interview. He asked me if he could use the interview on his professional website, which of course I was happy to do. But uh, it it's just a rare thing that not only did he send me that email, but we we kept in touch a bit for the next three years, and uh, you know we would check in with each other from time to time. I ended up interviewing him a second time. You're going to hear both of those interviews. Uh, today, the one from 2005 and the one from 2008. But uh, I think like just what really strikes me when I think about him is, you know, I think of his calmness and I think of his thoughtfulness 
and also just his uh, sweetness and and also I do like I keep thinking about his goofiness. I, the, one of the things that you would hear is I I always ask people what's something that people don't know about you, and he said that you know he's goofy and he wanted people to know that and that he wanted roles that reflected that and I always really loved that he got to do stuff like the John Wick franchise and he got to be sillier because I I knew how much that uh, meant to him. You know, I think looking back, uh, what really strikes me at the time, you know, I was in my early 20s and I, I really didn't know what I was doing and I was trying to figure it out both with just interviewing people and with I am honestly my life and I, and I look back at this time of, you know, these interviews that I did and I was asking people, you know, how they knew what they wanted to do with their life and, and how they found their passion and how they got to Hollywood and how they, they chased those dreams. And I realized it was because I, I think felt so lost and I also was a very inexperienced interviewer and you know, Lance Reddick made me feel like I was a professional interviewer. He made me feel like I had good questions. He he seemed to enjoy talking to me. I know that I enjoyed hearing his thoughts on the show and talking to him about his character and his life and the fact that he he kept in touch with me, that he he would answer my emails and uh, you know, that we had this um you know, a bit of a, a relationship uh, of correspondence for several years. It it meant so much to me, and it was definitely something that he didn't have to do. That I think he just did because that was the person that he was, and I I just really value that, and I really aspire to be someone as kind and as thoughtful as he is. Uh, I, I was looking back through some of the emails that we sent each other and I saw that one of the last times I emailed him was in March of 2008. I, I emailed him to ask about his thoughts on the end of the wire. And, you know, I really love what he said to me. And I think maybe other people will appreciate it too, because I was just sort of asking him how he felt about the end. And I was asking him how, uh, what he thought about, there were, you know, rumors at the time that maybe there would be a, a movie or some sort of way to continue the series. He said to me, for my part, I'm ready to move on from Daniels. I don't want the show to be one of those great athletes that just didn't know when to quit. I think it was a fantastic ending to probably the greatest crime drama, if not the greatest drama in the history of television. And he was right. He was right in 2008 about uh, the show and the legacy of the show. And, you know, I, I know that he was ready to move on and it, it was amazing to see where his career went. And it was always you know, so wonderful to to see him succeed in Hollywood and to to get to play all these different parts and for all these different people to discover him both through the wire and through his new work. And 
uh, he just really was truly a special guy who I really enjoyed talking to, who I really appreciate how kind he was to me. And I appreciate the time that I got to spend with him and the times that I got to talk to him. And I hope that all of you will enjoy hearing those interviews. His death is a huge loss, I think, both to Hollywood and to humanity. And he will be missed. So without further ado, these are my interviews with Lance Reddick. First, I wanted to talk a little bit about your background. I, uh, I read that you attended a school called the Quaker High School of Friends School. Um, what was that like, and how was that different from a regular, everyday public school? Well, uh, oh. well first of all, I guess uh, just in terms of the fact that it was a private school, I mean, as well as a high school. Uh, and... Um, How would I? How would I make a difference? I mean, it depends on the public school, but uh, um, I think at the time that I went, uh, one of the big differences was um, that it was um, the academic curriculum was a little more advanced than the average public school, at least in Baltimore. Okay, and it was uh, it was also predominantly white at the time. I've since been back and it's much more integrated, but at the time it was predominantly white. Uh, and it was a, it's a Quaker, it's, um, even though, um, Quakerism wasn't taught in the school, uh, we were exposed to it, um, we went to, uh, I don't know if you know anything about the Quakers, um, but, um, we went to something called Meeting for Worship once a week, where in, in, a, in a Quaker tradition, um, people are, um, when the, when the, I don't know a lot about the history of the Quakers, um, but um, I think it was founded sometime in the uh, 18th, either 16th, uh, excuse me, 17th or 18th century. And um, uh, they always um, had a history of political activism. Um, from their inception, they were uh, anti-slavery. And they were, um, and they believed that um, each person um had a right to um, their own uh, private relationship with God. So there are no, there are no ministers in Quakers. Uh, a Quaker meeting a service, basically people just sit in silence. Um, and whenever someone feels uh, moved um, by the Spirit, they stand up and share whatever they feel moved to share. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, and also Quakers are, uh, are traditionally uh, pacifists. So, um, so did, uh, uh, I was just going to ask: did, did that come through, like in the, the discipline at the school, the, the pacifist thing, where they kind of laid well, back? Or? No, no, because I, I think uh, the students were uh, pretty just typical teenagers. So it's not like um, I mean the, the the place where it came through was um, whenever there were political issues. Um, 
that any, any kind of major political issues that everyone was uh, aware of. Um, uh, they would have speakers coming. They would have speakers and come and, and, and talk to students um, during the morning assembly, usually during the morning um, before classes started. Oh, okay. Um, so it was that kind of thing. But otherwise, I mean, it's, it's not like you, you know what I mean? You start a football team and... Right, it was, uh, it was still pretty normal. normal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then lacrosse teams, the guys still got into fights and, you know right. what I mean? It's like... <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah. I, I had read that though. That sounded kind of interesting. I had never heard of a Quaker school before, so... Yeah, they're actually, uh, they're all, I don't, I, I don't know if I'd say they're all over the country, but they're, they're around. I mean, there's a, there's a friends in, uh, Philadelphia, there's a friends in, in New York and Brooklyn. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Alright, um, so, completely different topic, but, um, how, how did you get into acting? Uh, how old were you when you started, and how old were you when you decided this is what you wanted to do? Wow, well, <laughs> the first act, wow. How do, I, how do I tell the story? Uh, the first time I ever acted, believe it or not, was in an English class. I had to... I mean, the first thing I think I should say is, um, even though I have an older brother, he's much older than I am, so I, I essentially grew up as an only child uh, in the 70s. And so uh, I actually grew up addicted to television. Oh, okay. Um, so um, and doing a lot of... Um, you know, when I was very small, doing a lot of playing by myself. Um, so... I feel like that was kind of always in me, but it's not something that I ever grew up wanting to be, because um, I, I grew up wanting to be a musician my whole life. So, I mean, the first time I ever did any acting, I can, I can remember it was in English class. We were uh, studying Macbeth, and we had to pick a play. Um, we had to pick a scene from it and act it out when I was uh, in 10th grade. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, I did a... I, I did a um, I did a scene where he's um he's debated. It's, it's a famous it's a famous soliloquy. If it were done quickly, done then for well, if we're done quickly, when he's uh, debating with himself uh, whether or not uh, to go through with murdering the king, and it was like it was the coolest experience. Um, I just uh, I felt like I became him, <laughs> and I felt like. Um, I, I had a I had an affinity for Shakespeare. Okay, so I mean, at, like right when you did it at that time, were you, did you think this is something I want to do, or was it just sort of? No, I just thought, wow, it's really cool. Like, there's I can see that like everybody else is just reciting this stuff, but I'm actually playing the character. Right. You see, so you I were just actually... thought, wow, I just thought it was this cool thing that I could do, and I didn't think anything of it beyond that at the time. Um, and then I did a I did a play. My senior year in high school, uh, I did a musical, Fiorello, and where I had, <laughs> I had, I think I had two lines. Oh, okay. So. Three lines. So, yeah, it was nothing. I mean, college is when I really started acting, um, kind of on a regular, like I caught the acting bug. But even then, it was just something I did for fun. Okay, so did you, you went to college for music originally, or did you? Well, <laughs> my first year in college, actually, I uh, studied physics. Um, and then I transferred to music school. Oh, okay. On my second year. So primarily, I was uh, actually before you studying music, studying composition. Okay, and so I guess you're the the first time the general public really got a chance to see your one of your bigger roles was on the show Oz. Um, yeah. 
So how, how did you land the role of Detective John Basil, and what was it like working on that show? I, um, I, uh, it's funny because I had I'd, uh, wanted to, I had never seen the show when I did it, and I'd, uh, I'd been hearing so much about it, I really wanted to be, it was one of those uh, shows that, it, it, uh, that everybody wanted to do in New York, and um, my agent pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed because he heard that this role was perfect for me. And um, uh, I, I got put on tape, and I was cast from the tape. So I actually never met Tom Fontana or, or any of the producers before I um, before I started shooting this, shooting the show. Oh, okay. And, and what was it like uh, working on that show? Wow, it was phenomenal. Um, I uh, I felt like I was doing. Uh, Movie. I felt like I was doing a film role. I got to do a film performance on television every week. Um, it was up until that point. Uh, I felt like it was the best group of actors I've ever worked with, and the best uh, writing I've ever worked with, at least on television. Okay. And uh, what did you get out of your time on that show? Do you felt like you you grew as an actor during that time? Or? Oh, absolutely. I learned. Uh, I feel like I really started, I, I started to um, master uh, working on camera, on film. Okay. And then from there, obviously, you're, uh, you went on to do The Wire, which is, uh, you know, yeah. a bigger show. Um, how many times did you have to audition for the show before you got the role of Cedric Daniels? <laughs> um, I don't, did you hear something about it? Yeah, yeah, I read a little bit, something about it. Yeah, I think, like, hold on, let me think. Uh, one, two, uh, three. Four times. I auditioned four times, and the first three times, it wasn't even for Daniels. What, what parts did you originally go for? Uh, originally, I went in for Bunk. Oh, okay. And, um... I read for that role three times. And then the third time I read for it was for um, uh, David Simon. And he asked me to read Bubbles on the spot. Cold. So I went out, looked inside, and he came back and read for Bubbles. And uh, then I was told a week later that I was second choice for Bubbles. And then a week after that, they called me in for Daniels because they had been having a hard time casting Daniels, and they were they'd been looking for a, a name for that role. Right. So when did you you finally know that you got the role? Did you? Um, it was over two weeks after I auditioned, and it was after they told it was after they told my agent that I actually didn't get it. I still don't know what happened, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. I thought it was yeah. I thought it was I thought it was a dead issue when I got the call, and I literally I thought I was dreaming. Oh wow! So I thought it really it's the only it's the only time in my life that I really wondered, am am I dreaming this? <laughs> <laughs> because it was like my life changed after that. Oh well, yes, de definitely. Um, now, and you actually you grew up in Baltimore, right? So yeah, I did. Yeah. So, so what's it like filming The Wire in your hometown? And, you know, does it mean more to you that it's set there, or does that make a difference to you? Or? Well, it makes a difference to me only in that, well, two things. Uh, one, the level of celebrity is a little 
it's a little weird because um, uh, suddenly it's almost like I feel like it's almost like being when I'm at home when I'm in Baltimore it's almost like being a movie star right so um, and you know you have people <laughs> people you haven't heard from since high school or junior high school even elementary school calling you out of the book it's, that's so um, I mean I was asked to um, my first season I was asked to speak uh, at the graduation of high school um, so I mean that kind of stuff right um, but the other thing that's cool about it is um, uh, I feel like I'm learning more about the political history of the city um, by doing this show that I that I was aware of when I was growing up. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and do do you feel that the show accurately portrays Baltimore? Or? The the part of Baltimore that it's seeking to portray, yes. Well, right. I mean, obviously, it's only showing part of it, but you, you feel they do a good job on that. Then? Yeah, I do. Okay, and and what's the response like from? Uh, do you get response from police officers in Baltimore? Or? Honestly, I get response from police officers everywhere. Uh, I, I've never, I, I don't know any cops. <clears throat> I, I've never done any show that the cops respond to more. And it's generally positive, or is it? It's always positive. It's always I mean, positive. I've had, I mean, more than once I've had cops say that show is so real and scary. Oh, that's got to feel good. To... Yeah, it, 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 it does. So, is it because you have a speeding tickets or anything? Or? Um, <laughs> no. No. <laughs> matter of fact, matter of fact, uh, when I was, um, when we first started, I can't remember, uh, first season, I, I, I don't, yes, it was first season. I'm trying to remember if it was for the pilot. Yeah, it was for the pilot, and I was on my way to, uh, um, a cast reading. <laughs> if I got a speeding ticket. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, I lost my place here. Um, so the, the fourth season of the, the wire is actually in production now. Um, now obviously, um, you, you don't know. Well, it's pre-production. I mean, we haven't started shooting yet. Pre, I'm sorry, pre-production now. Um, where do you see the, the character of Cedric Daniels going next season? Do you, I mean, obviously you probably don't know anything yet, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about uh, uh, what's going to happen with my character. Uh, what I do know is that, given uh, after my promotion, um, I- I'm still going to be. I'm, I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose. Um, I'm not going to be as connected to, to the day to day of the unit because I'm, with the promotion, I'm actually in charge of the whole district now. Right. But um, that the wire the the wiretap unit is still my baby. And um, I know that um, I'm, from what I understand, I'm going to have to deal with, for me it's going to be a lot of dealing with politics, dealing with the politics of trying to keep the unit running, uh, running the way I want it run, and um, and being a buffer between the unit and the higher-ups. I know that there's going to be some friction between me and the person who takes over, the new lieutenant who takes over for me. Uh, and, and I also know that there's going to be, um, I'm going to have to, I'm going to be somewhat involved in, the, in the, the, the politics of, just Baltimore politics because, uh, my wife is running for, uh, city council. And, um, with the whole, uh, issue of her being separated and 
my relationship with uh, the district attorney is going to um, it's going to, to cause a lot of of a conflict that we have to deal with. Oh, okay. All right. Um, well, we sort of touched on this before, but um, so originally when you got into acting, it was uh, to support your musical ambitions. Um, so when did you first discover your passion for music? And, you know, uh, okay. So what did you, yeah, when did you first dis- discover your passion for music? Uh, I mean, I started writing songs when I was seven. I started playing piano when I was eight. Growing up, I always just thought I was going to be a musician. Um, I know I mentioned that my first year at college, I was a physics major, and that had more to do with just being afraid of being, getting cold feet about uh, being a musician. Um, and I went to the University of Rochester, and the Eastman School of Music is, even though it's a famous music school by itself, it's technically part of the University of Rochester, so, which is a lot of the reason why I went there. Um, and uh, I went to a concert my, in October of my first year, at the university when I studied physics, and I, um, I just I thought, you know what, I made a mistake. I need to I need to come here. So I applied to transfer. Um, but yeah, I was I I grew up. I mean, when I was a kid, I uh, I was really into pop music. Even though I studied classical music my whole life, I was really into pop music, and I um, and I and I was really into uh, old ballads. Like I loved uh, I loved. My favorite singers were Nat King Cole and Johnny Mathis. Like I would just listen to this stuff over and over and over again and imitate their singing, their styles, and the way they phrased. Oh, okay. Um, and so, so now that you, you found the success as an actor, what what made you decide to rekindle your music career? Well, actually, what made me what made me start writing music again? I mean, I um, about. Five, about five years ago, five or six years ago, uh, I uh, I was singing this song that I had started writing when I was twenty five years old, and my and you know I you know from from time to time over the years you know I'd sing these songs that I had written that I never recorded, and one day my daughter said to me she was about um, eleven eleven years old at the time, my daughter said to me Dad you should do something with that, and I I, I said to her you know I don't. It's too late. I'm too old uh, to be doing that stuff anymore. And she said, I don't know, Dad. I think that's an excuse. And she didn't say anything else. She just, she just walked away. <laughs> and, and I was really, le- it was one of those things, man. The way she said it and the timing. And I was just left with, wow. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so I just started thinking about it a lot. And then uh, I just, decided to start trying to write again. Uh, and it was really hard at first. I mean, it's still hard. Um, um, I mean, I don't write easily. Um, but uh, it was really hard because one of the one of the things that I had never gotten over was my fear of the empty page. <laughs> and so um, the first thing I had to do was just to learn to discipline myself to try to write something every day. Even if I even if I threw it out, and eventually I um, I picked up some old songs and I finished them. I started fin- I finished one and then I started just writing new stuff. And then over the course of time, I decided I, uh, over a few after a few years, I decided I wanted to do a songwriting demo. And then uh, so 
songwriting demo um, turned into, you know what? Maybe I should try an album. Let me just see. And so that's where I am right now. Okay. And uh, so how long did it take you to, to put together this this new CD? Well, I mean, it's not done. I mean, the, old, the uh, my website has uh, six songs from it. Um, and um, so it's a little over half. And um, so you're planning on doing a uh, a full length CD? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So, good. And uh, so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I actually uh, Priscilla sent me the uh, the six that you've done so far, and I really like it, man. I, I really enjoy the sound. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I really um, the one TikTok. I really like that. Is that is that the name of it? Did I get that right? Or? Yeah, it's funny. That's that's the oldest song on there. I, oh. That's the only one that was one that I started years and years ago. I mean, I started writing a song like Jesus, 1987. Oh, okay, <laughs> I'm not kidding. And, and I um, I could never. Every time I would try to pick it up, I could just never get it. I always got stuck with the structure. Um, and uh, what happened was when I um, when I decided to record it. Um, on my songwriting demo, uh, what was it, like two years ago, I, um, out of necessity, I mean, I, we set a date and I had two weeks to finish it. And so, I just started playing around with the form and all of a sudden I figured out what I wanted to do with it. And then I realized that I had to change the lyrics so I rewrote half the lyrics. And then it worked. And now I, I just feel like it's a really tight, I mean, uh, structurally, I actually think it's a song on there. It's the tightest. Even, even though stylistically it's, it's, uh, um, it doesn't quite necessarily fit with the others. Right. Because I'm, I'm moving in, basically I'm moving into jazz and smooth jazz. I mean, that's, that's mostly what I want right now. Okay. Alright, so I have a tough question for you though. Do you, do you now consider yourself a singer who acts or do you consider yourself an actor who sings? If, if you had to choose between the two, which, which do you think you would? Well, first of all, first of all, I would look at myself a singer. As a musician, I would say I'm a songwriter who sings. Okay. First of all. And, uh... Wow. Uh... I mean, it's tricky because acting is how I've made my living for so long, but music was, was my training for so much longer than I... I mean, I, and eventually, I, I never told you this, but eventually I went back to school and I ended up going to graduate school for acting. Oh, okay. Um... After after uh, acting professional for a couple of years in Boston, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't say honestly, I would say I'm an actor and a songwriter. Okay, I wouldn't say I'm more one of one or the other. All right, and so the the new CD is there a release date for it yet, or is it? No, there isn't. I mean, I'm gonna um, the plan right now is to. Uh, is to uh, finish recording in Baltimore. Oh, okay. The uh, guy who uh, does the promotion for and who supervises production for, I don't know if you know who George Clinton is. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, well, uh, matter of fact, I'm going to his album release party tonight and he's in his concert tomorrow in L.A. But his producer, uh, actually I was his producer, but the guy who, who supervises his production and who, uh, who does his marketing for him is uh, going to be producing the album. Oh, okay. Yeah, Evan Kelly. Wow, so then... And uh, ironically enough, he's in, uh... <laughs> he's from Baltimore. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's based out of D.C., so we're going to be doing the 
up while I'm shooting the season. That should uh, be pretty hectic for you, I'd imagine. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, if, if it was just that, it, I wouldn't even be, I wouldn't be that worried. But um, my uh, my girlfriend's in, uh, is here, so I'm going to be commuting back and forth. My kids are in New York, so I'm going to be trying to see them at the same time, too. So, so you're going to be traveling around a lot, too? I know. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. Well, um, so that, that actually leads into my next question, which is, uh, you know, between that and everything, I'm sure you've been, uh, what do you do to unwind? Do you, is there any hobbies or anything you do in your free time, or is it? Um, I like to read, and I like movies. Any, I mean, I'm not a, <laughs> I've never been much of a club person, or I'm not, I hate to say this because I'm, because I'm an actor and I'm, you know, I'm in the entertainment industry, but I'm a real people person. So, um, um, I really like, um, just, I like quiet evenings. Uh, mostly I like to read and, uh, and, uh, watch films. Oh, okay. Uh, tell me something nobody knows about you. Wow. Something nobody knows. <laughs> well, you, I don't think there's anything that nobody knows. Whoa. But uh, that most people don't know. Right. Uh, wow. Well, I don't even know if I can say that about most people that know me. Now, because um, I'm really uh, one thing I think I, I think is pretty accurate as far as the general perception of me. Uh, I'm 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 a, I'm a I, I'm really goofy. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's definitely... Uh, I would imagine people who watch the show don't expect that. No, as a matter of fact, it's... Uh, <laughs> it's been really... It's been... A, I've had a hard time um, getting an opportunity to do any comedy um, for, most, for most of my uh, professional career. Um, well, I should say that. Uh, since, since I started doing a lot of television, because, I've, because what I've become known for is, is an intense dramatic character so you'd like a chance to do more comedy stuff is that yeah and as a matter of fact I just got cast in a film and and, uh, and hopefully I still haven't we still haven't gotten the dates clean with the wire uh, but um, um, I, I was just cast in a well I just got offered uh, to do a comic role in a, in a film so hopefully um, it's going to be shooting around in October November so okay is there anything you can talk about or is it too early to I think uh, I think it's too early to talk about it. Okay. Uh, mainly, be, mainly, mainly because the deal isn't done because I haven't um, uh, because of the uh, it just needs to be cleared with the wire. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll definitely keep on the lookout for that though. All right. Um, so I just have one last thing for you here. Um, I, I like to do like a little word association thing. So okay. I'm just gonna throw out a name and just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Okay. All right. Major Cedric Daniels. Wow, first thing came about with the, uh, the picture. Um, serious, intense, committed. Okay. Uh, the city of Baltimore. Many facets. David Simon. Jesus. Lance Reddick. Multi-talented. The future. 
wide open. Ben, I mean, uh, season four and season five of The Wire, you've, uh, you've actually, your, your role has been increased quite a bit. Like you, uh, you know, we're sort of handpicked to be the new commissioner and, uh, been definitely a lot of, uh, a lot of camera time. So I was just kind of curious, what has it been like to see your, uh, character progress? Well, it's funny you say that because it doesn't feel to me like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's been more camera time. Um, and also, uh, to be honest, I haven't seen any, uh, except for, for some, for, I watched the last episode, but other than that, I really haven't seen any of this season. Oh. Have you so, just have you just not been able to catch it? Or? Well, that's been part of it. I, the truth is, I don't watch much television. Um, for example, I didn't watch the first two seasons until um, like April of two thousand six. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> and uh, I watched them on straight on DVD, and then I did the same thing with seasons three and four in January this year. Uh, well, I mean, maybe you haven't had more camera time. Maybe it's just that uh, it seems like you're mentioned a lot. Like uh, Daniels is, is mentioned a lot more these days. Well, it could be. I mean, it, see, because the thing that's so kind of funny about the show is that it seems that the cast gets bigger every every season, if that's at all possible. Right. And the story's getting more complex every season. Um, and so, um, to me, I know it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty common, if you speak to other members, if I would speak to other members of the cast, pretty, pretty universal. Pretty universal would say that you know, after the first season, they feel like they felt like they weren't working much. No matter who you spoke to. Except maybe Delmick West, the last, this last season. Right. Um, yeah, because even him, season four, I mean, he was, I think he was barely in it. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely interesting, though. But they, I don't know, it's like they do find a way to, to spotlight everyone, even, even though there is. But yeah, then they introduce a new storyline every season, too. So you got a whole. Yeah. New yeah. set of characters. Uh, so, what, what was it like doing season five? You know, having been a part of the show since the beginning, what was it like to, to do the final season? Well, you know, it's interesting because I was, um, you know, I, uh, other than the wire, I haven't worked very much until season five, and then it just seemed like season five was very busy. Um, and um, the once again, I felt like I didn't really have much to do until the last few episodes. Um, and um, the last I, the thing that I remember most is that the last my last day of shooting was the last uh, was the night that we wrapped for the entire series and my attitude was kind of like you know I'm kind of ready to do something else I'm ready for this to be over um, and that moment you know I finished my last shot and then uh I was kind of ready to kind of just sneak out, and then David Simon kind of made a thing about it. And, you know, it's not like I was unique. I mean, you know, every every everyone who rapped, you know, for the for the season for the series, you know, they they stopped and said, you know, goodbye, and I lost it. Um, I um, yeah, I cried like a baby. <laughs> and um, you know, one of the things I said, um, it's funny because I heard recently in Atlantic Monthly that uh, a journalist said something. Very similar was that I had, um, no, I had never been much of, much of a literary person. Um, most, most of my interest in terms of reading had been kind of spirituality and psychology. 
and um, some philosophy. So much mainly to the, from the urges of my daughter, um, who's, um, who's just a voracious reader, I you know, decided it was time for me to start reading more literature. So I've been reading Dickens. And I was really struck by how Dickensian The Wire is. Because um, I read, like, I'd like to read three novels back to back. So, and, um, well, it, it's weird because it almost seems like, like David Simon, I don't know, I almost get the impression he doesn't like that term. Because uh, you said you haven't watched the last season, but in the newspaper storyline, a lot of times they kind of throw away, throw around the term, the Dickensian aspect of the story. And it, it, of course, he always gives it to the, the characters, you know, the editor characters that are the uh, unlikable guys. So it almost seems like, I don't know if he doesn't like that term particularly. Well, it could be that people bandy it about. I mean, I, mean, I, I sit it kind of independent of under, realizing how much it would be, you know, it, it would be evoked. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. so I don't know. And it, it could be, it could be because, it, you know, it could just be that he just doesn't like, you know, having being constantly compared to someone else. Uh, well, it, it's funny too, because I, I think his preferred, uh, metaphor for the show is more that it's like a Greek tragedy. With interviews that I've seen with David Simon, it almost seems like that's what he likes to call it. Is <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know if he just prefers that reference. But I've noticed it. But it's funny because uh, a lot of reporters have actually, you know, re- referred to it, you know, compared it to, to Dickens. And then it seems like this season you hear characters throwing the term around. So it's kind of odd. Well, it's interesting. So it could be, yeah, I mean, if, if that's what David... If, because uh, David doesn't, uh, when he talks about his work, he doesn't say things lightly. So he used the term, you know, made the reference to Greek tragedy. Um, I'm sure that's kind of how he thinks of it. Yeah, I, I think his his way of explaining it was that it was a Greek tragedy and sort of the institutions are the gods and, and sort of that they, you know, are the ones that are, controlling the fate of these characters and, you know, the rest of the characters are sort of at the mercy of the gods being, you know, either the government or the police department or, or you know, the drug game or whatever. But that, that's sort of how I've seen him explain it. But I, Wow. I, can, I get that. Yeah. So, um, I, I read a lot of stuff on the show, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, alright. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you this. Uh, I just want to know: Was was there at some point during a contract re- renegotiation? Did did you sit down and add a uh, shirtless clause to your contract at any point? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you mean you mean that I wouldn't take my shirt off anymore? Uh, well, no. I just noticed that there, there's a lot of, uh, of shirtless scenes uh, of you. I don't know when that started happening, but uh, you know what? Well, actually, believe it or not, that's mostly the third season. And that happened because, it's funny, because they asked me to do it this season, and I was kind of, didn't want to do it. And so I, I ended up being a, a, a white beard. Um, but uh, what happened was, the last episode of the second season, um, the director just kind of asked me if I minded to have my shirt off when I came out to answer the phone. And then it was one of those things where, I guess, well, first of all, this is embarrassing to say, um, the, um, a, a lot of the female crew kind of, kind of kept wanting to, you know, see me with my shirt on after that. And, and, um, I, I'm assuming because they asked me, um, 
it, whenever it come up with me in the prom in the third season, um, that would come up, and I and I don't know how much of it's because you know it was, it was fans wrote in or what it was, but um, um, so yeah, I guess it just had to be, had you know because I, I to be honest, I don't know if I had my shirt off anymore than Dominic West did, especially first season. Yeah, that's true. I, <laughs> I just. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just that was sort of a throwaway question, but I, I do like the amount of uh, thought that you're you're putting into it. But no, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny though. So do they? Uh, so you? What, what made you decide to to go wife beater this season? Though, what, what was the change? Well, it was only one season. It was only one. Uh, it was only one scene, um, and it was um, honestly, it was a scene where. Uh, when the we're at home and she's at the t- table working and I'm looking at the news and um you know I'm in my um I think I was in my I was in my um pajama bottoms and I just felt it just felt gratuitous to me. It just felt like I mean it's different when, you know, I'm 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 in bed or you know what I mean? But I, I just felt like it, there wasn't any I felt like it was an excuse to have me a shirt off, and I just didn't want to do it. Fair enough. I respect that. Um, all right, so what, uh, what What are some of your favorite moments from the show, like when you look back, either filming the show or just, uh, you know, actual scenes that, that you did? Well, for me, um, I think the most exciting season for me was the first Number one, because it was new, but also because it was, I, I just knew that I was part of something just really special, and I had so much to do. I mean, it's the only season that I was just completely exhausted by the end of it. Um, I, I felt like the only person I had more to do than me than that season was Dominic. Um, um, and maybe Larry Gilead. But I, um, my favorites, my, the two scenes that I've done that come to my mind, uh, are, um, the scene, and it's funny, it's the first scene of my reel, uh, the first season when I have a confrontation, uh, or rather the talk with, um, oh, I can't think of the name, uh, detective, I think it's Polk. Um, he's one of the alcoholics. Was he the one that they actually brought back this season in yes, the evidence yes, room? Yes. Okay, yeah. Yes, exactly. So, um, that, and there's a scene, there's a big scene that, at, that Promo and I have outside, um, City Hall, at, right after we, um, we have a meeting with the mayor and the commissioner. Uh, that's, that's coming up in the season finale. Oh, okay. But I think those are my two favorite moments that I remember from, that I've done. And, and what what made you enjoy them so much? Like, what what was it about the scenes? That... Um. Well, the first one, I the the one that happened first season, I just felt that that scene was so um so much of my character was either about being a hard ass or about um kind of going back and forth between being a um, kind of party line hard ass or about being, you know, jumping jumping in with McNulty and being, you know, a rebel. 
and that was the one scene where I, I one of the few scenes where I felt like it was all about um, my relationship with one of the men and, and my my uh, relationship to him as a human being. Not just when I see one of the men, I see more of the people under me. Um, and uh, my relationship to him as a, as, as, a, as a leader, but as, as but as a human being, you know what I mean? Like that I that I cared about him as a person, right. just because he was one of you know what I mean? A sense of responsibility. Yeah. And I thought that was just a great. Um, honestly, I just thought it was beautiful. I mean, uh, it was it was a great scene to play. And it was a beautiful opportunity. It said. Uh, I felt like in some ways that said more about who the guy was than anything else. Oh, okay. And uh, so, so what about the other scene, the, the scene in the finale? Well, see, the problem, the problem with that is I don't know. I'm waiting this coming out because I don't want to say too much about it because it hasn't aired yet. <laughs> uh, well, that was the thing I actually uh, wanted to, to ask you about at some point. Because like, this is actually going to go up next Thursday, and obviously the finale doesn't air until Sunday. Um, so I don't know, too, if there's a possibility maybe I could email you a follow-up question or anything, if there does happen to be something in the finale that I wanted to ask you about, or if that would be possible. Oh, I see, because it's uh, because the finale is going to air before this goes out. Right. Sure. Um, do you still... I have an old email address for you. I don't know if that's still the same. I'm, I'm sure it's not. Um, so what is your email now? It, it's com. Okay. Um, yeah, that way I can just, uh, you know, whatever comes up in the finale, if I could just email you maybe like one or two questions about it after Sunday. So Because, yeah, I don't want to get you in trouble or anything, mention anything before. I actually, and to be honest with you, I don't want to ruin before I see it as well. It's, uh, oh, boy. And uh, I, you probably already know this, but it's, it's going to be an hour and a half, too. Yeah, I was reading that today, that, that it's supposed to be an hour and a half. It, I actually, uh, I had interviewed uh, uh, Benga Akanabi yesterday. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, so he he was telling me that, because uh, I asked him, because that interview went up today, so I was asking him, uh, you know, what can you expect from the finale? And he was like, you can expect it to be an hour and a half. And that was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, okay. But, yeah, so we'll just do that then, so that way I won't get you into any trouble mentioning anything beforehand. Um, all right, um, so in addition to the wire, uh, oh, I'm sorry, there was one more wire question that I wanted to ask you, which was, uh, what do you think the legacy of the wire will be? Because obviously it's not a show that was, you know, it's kind of been ignored by the, you know, awards organizations. It doesn't necessarily have the, the highest ratings, but definitely is a great show. So I was just kind of wondering, what do you think its legacy will be? Wow. At least in the, in the genre of crime drama, and maybe it just drop for drama in general. Um, I feel like it's got so many legacies because there's, never, there's just never been anything like it. Um, um, the first um, I feel it may be the first really hit dramatic series um, that's with a predominantly African American cast. That's one. Number two, uh, you know, possibly the the, the, the finest written uh, and uh, acting ensemble uh, in the drama history of television. And, um, you know, I, feel, I was thinking about this the other day and how, you know, once again, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm on it, so I'm biased, but 
that is an honest assessment. But um, you know, I was thinking about it the other day, and I was thinking about uh, how um, you know mediums, how you know when we when we advance in technology, um, different mediums become places, new new places to um, um, to create art. And at first, it starts as kind of a, a pop culture thing, and then it and then it, it eventually it really starts to evolve into another art form. And I feel like um, just as you know, we move kind of from the epic, the the, uh, the epic poem to the to the play to the novel, um, and to to in the film. And I feel like in, in television, I feel like more than anything else, its legacy is going to be um, um, dramatic television as true art and as true social commentary. With all you know, with, with all the complexity and um, significance of that entails, and so in some ways, I feel like it's 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 opening the door for uh, people to say it's okay to um, you know be as complex and real and as artful as you can be, and that there's a market for it. So, do you think it's something where at some point? Uh, you know, people will go back and, and sort of discover it and, and watch the DVDs and, and sort of later well, to be on. be honest, because of how it's happening now, um, because of how, yeah, because of the timing of everything with the strike and kind of HBO's kind of up drying up a little bit, um, especially, you know, all their, all, you know, of, of that period where they had just so many hits with Six Feet Under and The Sopranos and Sex in the City, um, and with all those gone, and, and The Wire was, even though we were, you know, and, and Oz and The Wire, and even though The Wire was, didn't have the industry acclaim that the other shows had, it had as much and a more critical acclaim. And so with those shows gone, on top of, you know, the, the strike happening, and then all these other shows shutting down, The Wire is, I think, the only, the only show during the strike that aired its entire season. And it's gotten, and, and uh, uh, HBO threw more weight behind it than it has since the first season. So, uh, for the first time, everybody in Hollywood is talking about it. I was talking to, um, um, I got a, a message from, I, I called Amy Ryan to congratulate her on her Oscar nomination uh, about a month ago. And uh, I got a message from her last, last weekend, and she was saying that when she was doing her um, Oscar kind of, um, Going around to all the Oscar parties, everybody was saying uh, how much he loves to work in the wire. So finally, everybody's talking about it. Yeah, it's weird that it, it took so long to to finally catch on, but it definitely and and it's almost like the there's been even more coverage this season because it's the last season. A lot more. Well, there's that too. Yeah, and in fact, it's the last season. I mean, you know, I was talking to my uh, my my ex wife here, and she was saying how all of her friends, everybody's talking about it now. Everybody's going back and running out and getting all four seasons. Right, it's it's so funny because I know a lot of like I went around for years and I was telling people you got to watch the show, it's great. And now I have all these people that were like, I just started watching it. it. You're right, this is great. And like they've just now picked it up. And I was like, why weren't you listening yeah. to me? But it's it's weird because it seems like it finally is getting recognized. And then this Sunday is the final episode, so it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which almost seems fitting for the wire, just the, <laughs> the way the show. Well, you know, it kind of is. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, so the other thing too, are you uh, are you going to miss filming in Baltimore? Because I know you uh, you grew up in Baltimore. So yeah, um, no, because <laughs> I'm not going to miss the commuting. And you know when I you know when I left to go to college, I left 
So, you know, I hadn't really lived there since 1980. So, I don't, it's not like I missed the city. Sure enough. I mean, it's a, it's a cool town, but, um, you know, especially after living, uh, kind of on the East Coast, and when it gets winter, it gets really winter. I mean, I went from Baltimore to Rochester, New York, then when I got married, I lived in Boston. And so, uh, I lived in LA for the, and then I lived in New York for three years, uh, for 12 years, excuse me, after, after uh, graduate school. So, um, I love the weather in LA. <laughs> <laughs> and I love my, you know, my, my home. So. What part of Boston did you live in? Wow, we lived all over. I mean, the first year, actually, I didn't live in Boston. I lived up in Gloucester. I remember. Um, and then uh, two years after we were married, we moved to Boston. We lived in Roxbury for two years. Oh, okay. And then we moved back to Gloucester for another year. And then I went to graduate school up in Yale. Yeah, I actually, um, I back in 2005 when I talked to you, I was living outside of Baltimore, but I actually uh, live in Roslindale now, and, you know, right outside of Boston, so... Oh, I saw it because I saw the six one seven area code. I said, "Huh." Yeah. So, um, okay. Um, so, in addition to the wire, you uh, you actually are now on Lost too, uh, playing Matthew Abaddon. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I was just kind of curious. How did you uh, land that role? And uh, obviously, the character is very mysterious. But how did they explain the character to you initially? Well, to be perfectly frank, he didn't give me much explanation. So I don't even know who the guy is yet. So, um, I, 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 um, uh, you know, I only did the first uh, two episodes of the season, and uh, right now uh, it looks like I'm going to be shooting another episode that, you know, I don't even know how many um, at the beginning of April. Uh, so, but you will be in... The, you, I will be in more, yeah. Okay, this season or yeah, yeah. this okay. season. Yeah. Uh, so, so they didn't like. So, what is that like to to be playing a character and you basically have, you know, no idea who the character is? Well, I won't say I have no idea. Once again, I mean they're even more secretive than the wire. <laughs> um, so, like, um, like for example, your script has your name encoded on every single page across the page. So if you lose your script, it's a big deal. Um, but, um, uh, I'm just trying to think of how much I can say. I mean, the thing that he said was that, um, your character is, uh, think of him as, um, Darth Vader. (laughs) (laughs) So, he may not, he's probably, he's probably not the, the, uh, top guy in whatever kind of, uh, and once again, because the other thing is, you know, with Lost, you really don't, even up till now, uh, Michael, um, oh, I can't remember his name, um, plays the uh, leader of the others. Incredible actor. Oh. Well, first of all, do you watch the show? Oh, yeah, no, I love the show. Oh, okay. Um, Are you talking about the guy who plays Ben, or? Is it Ben? Is it ben? He's the leader of the others. Yeah. I, I think it's, I don't know the actor's name, but the, the character's name is Ben. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's the guy that you sent the team to try to get, right? From the island. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's Ben. I don't see. I didn't even know that <laughs> until until I saw it. <laughs> so were you? Uh, yep. So did you? You didn't watch the show at all before you were cast on it? Or? No, I was cast, and then I went back and did homework. So I, you know, I got the first two seasons and watched them on DVD, oh. and then of course I got hooked. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Um, 
But so you uh, you still have no idea like how much you're going to be in the show or anything? Or? I don't know how much I'm going to be in it, and I don't know because the, the other thing that complica- complicates it a little bit is the fact that um, you know now I'm on this, this new show called Fringe, and um, um, I mean the good thing is that it's also GGM, so you know I, I know I'm at least for a while assuming that Fringe goes, and you know that is an assumption at this point. But assuming that that goes, you know, I'll, I'll be kind of doing double duty for a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, well, yeah, at least, you know, you won't have a, uh, a conflict, though, of, you know, not being able to, like, them not wanting to share you or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, see, have you, you haven't seen season three yet of The Wire, then? Or, no, uh, I haven't. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, and, and, and when I when I was cast, season three wasn't out on DVD. Okay, because I just, here's the thing, I'm going to throw it out, because I'm going to tell you, and you might not even know this, because you... You know, uh, you don't know anything, but I have a theory that you were going to end up being the person that was in the casket at the end of season three. So. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> see, I'm thinking it's Ben. <laughs> see, see, but I thought it was Ben, but I think that that's too obvious. And I'm thinking that there's going to be a swerve and it's going to end up being you because it would make, that's totally how they would do it too, because they introduced you after the casket thing. So I'm thinking it's going to be you though. I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll, I, you may find out not much uh, later than I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned the, the fact that, that both uh, Lost and The Wire, that they're very secretive. Uh, I was just kind of curious. Do you do you have, like, friends and family members hitting you up trying to get information from you? Um, almost never. Oh, that's good. Um, people say occasionally fans will ask me. Uh, but even then, when I, you know, I'll say, well, I can't really say it. I say, well, do you really want to know? And they'll say, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, they'll rethink it to no, no. Uh, uh, and I could, you know, any anything that's, um, uh, any kind of important details I couldn't disclose anyway. Right. Um, so what, uh, what is the, the show Fringe that, that you mentioned? Like, what, uh. Well, it is a, it's, uh, an x files kind of show. But it's um, it's going to be more um, action oriented, and uh, a lot of uh, it's a bigger cast, so a lot more twists and turns. So in that in that regard, it'll be a lot like uh, Lost. Okay. Um, and it's basically it's it's about Fringe is 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 the name of this this um, uh, this, this special um, governmental. Uh, investigative team that investigates um, terrorist slash paranormal activities. Okay. Yeah, and, and I'm like the head of the unit. <laughs> so so you're almost like the, the Daniels of the... Uh... Well, yeah, kind of. I mean, it was... <laughs> I, a part of me was, you know, when I read the script, I thought, well, if there's a role for me, that's the role. Because it was a cool role because he's a, he's a lot more of a hard-ass than Daniels is. Oh, okay. Um, believe it or not. I mean, he's more like, as a personality, he's more like Rawls. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's a, he's a real ass. <laughs> but he's also, I mean, he's a good guy. I mean, you know, he's, he's one of the good guys. You know what I mean? Right. Um, the kind of politics, at least on the level that my character's at, uh, that you see in The Wire doesn't come into play. Um, uh, yeah, it comes into play on much, much, much larger scale, but not, you know, not on that level. So, you know, basically, I, but, you know, I shouldn't even say that because I, even with this, I know, you know, one of the, um, 
uh, one of the creators, one of the executive producers said to me that, uh, you know, you'll, we'll find out later that, you know, Broyles is my character. He's, you know, there's some shadowy past to him too. So, you know, I think a lot like Lost, um, things will seem one way, characters will seem like they're one thing, and then they'll turn out to be something else. Oh, okay. And then they'll turn out to be something else again. I mean, I can already see it in the pilot. Uh, and it's a two-hour pilot, so it's going to be, uh, it, it's great. It's, it's cool. It's very cool. And is this something that, uh, are they trying to get it to ABC, or is it, are they shopping it around? Like, if it does go, would it be on ABC? Oh, no, no, no. This is, this is Fox. No, Fox is... Oh, okay. Um, you know, Warner Brothers is producing it, and it's, it's going to be on Fox Network. Oh, okay. So, but you said you're still not sure if it's a go yet, though? Well, only because that's the way all pilots are. So until they give the official go, you know, you can't really say, you know, it's it's going, it's going you know, because you, it's one of those things where you never know until, you know, the contract signs. Oh, okay. Or until, um, you know what I mean, until you get the official word. Right. So it's, officially it's not cool for me to say, you know, we're going to make this series. Um, and it's looking really good. Okay. I mean, I feel like we have to really mess it up <laughs> to not get picked up. And so would you be... Like in every episode, would you, is this or would you? I'm a series regular. I'm one of the leads. All right, good. Yeah. Uh, so what what else is on the horizon for you? I know uh, Steve was telling me a little bit that you got a couple of films coming out too. Something called yeah, uh, a film called Tennessee, uh, which actually set a a year ago um, in uh, New Mexico, um, and it's um, it was uh, produced by Lee Daniels, who's um, who did Monsters Ball and Woodsman. Okay. And what's your role in that? I play a state trooper. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a drama. And it, it, the theme of the film is kind of uh, domestic violence abuse and, and, um, um, and then, not, not, uh, why can't I hear the right word? Um, and kind of, some people, whether it's, whether it's children or spouses, kind of come to terms with that. Oh, okay. And is that, when, it, when is that coming up? Uh, I don't know yet. I mean, it was an independent film. And, um, we were, uh, uh, uh I heard we were going to be in Tribeca, but I haven't heard, once again, I haven't got the final, um, I haven't heard anything, uh, final on that, so. And, so there's another film too that, uh, Yeah, so that's a film that I shot, uh, it's called Way of War. And it's a very, it's a political, uh, thriller. Um, it's kind of like Syriana meets the border identity. Um, and it's about this, um, special forces operative who, um, uh, over in, um, I can't remember if you're in Afghanistan or Kuwait, but, um, it's not Kuwait, uh, Afghanistan or Iraq, but, um, uh, he finds out that, um, he's been a Paula. And, um, so, um, yeah, I'm one of the leads in that. It's starring Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh, okay. Um, so are you, uh, are you still doing the music career too? Are you still doing any music stuff? Well, yeah, it's funny. I, uh, so much else has been happening. I'd kind of put that aside for a moment, but, um, I'm just in the process of finishing redoing my website. Um, I just got a MySpace page done for the first time, believe it or not. And, um, music's now up online. It should be uh, available for sale, um, at least for download, um, in a couple weeks. Okay. And is this a new CD or is it the same one? That you had before? It's not, well, a lot of the songs, I think, I think there are more songs. 
uh, and I think all the songs that were, except for two, all the songs that were on there before have been re-recorded. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll have to check that out, because I still have the uh, the old CD that you had sent me. Oh, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, there's some of the same stuff, but there's new stuff, too. And most of the stuff that you have was, you know, like I said, redone. Okay. Yeah, I liked the, the original one. That's why I wanted to make sure to ask you about it, because I figured, you know, with you working so much, I didn't know if you were still doing it or not. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I've been thinking, uh, especially lately, that I need to start writing again. Because I've almost got the material for a second album. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, so, um, alright, I think that's pretty much everything I got for you. I don't know if, uh, there's anything else you wanted to mention, or anything else? Hmm, just trying to think of anything. No, I think that's it. Alright, thanks a lot. Thank you. I just wanted to end this today by playing one of Lance's songs. I, I always really liked his albums. He, he sent them to me um, after we talked and he has a really lovely voice and I know he really loved making these. And so I can think of no better way to end today than with Lance himself. So, here you go. Tick tock, the clock is ticking, ding ding, the bell it rings inside. Tick tock, the clock is ringing alone upon a mountain side. Piff puff, the snow is falling. Tick tock, the clock it says I feel. Piff puff, the snow is falling on this lonely clock made of street. Thinking in reverie, it sits alone. The clock daydreams of space on a bedside table by the phone. The snow is falling, the clock it quivers as it rings. The puff the cold is calling, it shakes and shivers as it. The air is thin and the wind is sharp As it cuts like a knife with the cold of its blade And the clock keeping time as it ticks and it talks To itself in the cold of the night Is it made to do more than to tick and to talk? Is it made to do more than to tick and to talk? Is it made just to tick and to talk? Like a cold, lonely clock Tick-tock, the clock is ticking We talk but we do not seem to hear the pain of others crying For we can only hear our own fear Ding, ding, the bell is ringing It tells us where to come and go We think that we are thinking But we don't even really know 
lucky sleeping in darkness all alone As it cuts like a knife with the cold of its blade And the clock even time as it ticks and it talks To itself in the cold of the night Is it made to do more than to tick and to talk? Is it made to do more than to tick and to talk? In the end are we all just a bunch of old lonely clocks? Tick tock, the clock is ticking It ticks inside our heads all The clock is ticking, it's ticking our lives away. Tick tock, the clock is ticking. 